Good morning. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the original Loretta Brown Show, radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. Good morning, uh, Mr. Benny Mathers. Hi How there. are you? I'm doing very Hi, well, very well, and happy National Power Smile Day, I think is what it is. Really? Yeah. I mean, okay. there's a day for everything. There's there's a day of everything. So I, I lo- I've never heard of that. I got to figure out what's my power smile. What's yours? Is it right like- there. I think I just showed yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, am I right? You have what? It's yours yeah. is right there. I do. I okay. really do. Yeah, right. I do. We crushing it. We're crushing it. That's hysterical. Okay, so National Power Smile Day, which means guess what? Everybody gets to do today. Power smile. <laughs> Well, I'm power smile. <laughs> I feel Dude, like my cheeks would be burning after like the first couple of minutes. Like by the end of the day, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, <laughs> I am so, you know, I'm so highly visual. I've got this image in my, in my, you know, very walking down the street, you know, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> perma smile. I think people should try it. Maybe it Perma-grin. would really change the energies of the day. I, I think know. that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, you'd be anyway. surprised on what you can do, you know, just walking down the street. I know there's the tradition. All right, I'm not throwing Seattle under the bus, but I can. We yeah. have this called yes. Seattle Freeze, which yeah. it does happen, and it's unfortunate it happens, but you can make the change and reverse it. So That's all right. you got to do is smile, and then, you know, people will – it's like gravitational. It'll, it'll just kind of, like, move into someone else's being, and then next thing you know, they'll probably smile too. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um yeah, there's so much I could say about that. I almost feel like we could do a whole show about the face and what, how we exude, you know, what face we wear, what mask we wear, and what are we facing and not mm-hmm. facing. Um, but yeah, um, you know, that mind-body connection, too, the minute that you smile, you know, especially when you don't want to, right, you know, right. It, it does change things. I love it. 100%. Okay. <laughs> All right. You brought us in. All right. You brought us in. Anyway, I am Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis, located right here in the greater Seattle area for almost 30 years. You can find out more about me at ReikiOasis.com. I've got a couple of things coming up very quickly. My monthly class for women, Temple of the Divine Feminine, is this coming Saturday, June 17th, which astrologically is a real power day, I'll tell you in a minute. And anybody can come to Temple. We're meeting at Reiki Oasis or via zoom there are two formats to join this wonderful gathering of women it's very healing and we have a lovely time um i also have a reiki 2 class coming up in july and you can sign up for all my classes as well as appointments at schedule.reikioasis.com and i still do i have a few places left for my sacred magical trip to egypt in november i take groups of people on sacred pilgrimages really is what it is initiations it's small group we do lots of magical wonderful things and um if you're interested in that send me an email send it to reikioasis at gmail.com and then this month june 25th on a sunday i'm going to have an egypt meet and greet so i will have people there that have traveled with me on previous trips and anybody that's interested you will be able to come i've got it in a location here in seattle if you want to come to that, please email me, Loretta Brown at ReikiOasis at gmail.com, and I will get you the information for that. Now, astrologically, hmm, how you been feeling this week? Uh, the last couple of months, everybody's been kind of jammed up. There's been, you know, eclipses and the fixed grand cross in the sky, and there's been a lot of things going on. I wish I could tell you it's over. But it's not because life is about living and moving forward, right? However, this week, things are moving around a little bit. Some people were sharing with me that they're actually starting to feel like, I don't know, the sun's coming out a little bit. At the same time, I've never seen so many cranky, irritable people with chips on their shoulders who are quick to get to anger. Amen to that. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I ran into a couple myself. They need to go away. Sorry, Loretta, I had to jump in. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's I true. We've all been there, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like the minute I start saying that to any of my clients, they butt in just yeah, like you see? did. They go, let me tell you about let this Let me thing, tell you. Right? <laughs> oh, man, you know. 
And so, you know, I always tell people this, you know, the very first thing you got to do is just exhale a little bit, just breathe. And um, it is my joke. Someone told me, they go, if you tell me to breathe, Loretta, I'm going to start screaming. I go, well, maybe, maybe that's okay. We could start there, right? See where we can yeah, go. Yeah, grab a pillow, screaming a pillow. Yeah, grab a that pillow. Works. That works. But we did have uh, Venus in Leo square, Jupiter in Taurus. And for those that know, that just simply means that the energy is shifting and the desire to move forward with projects is here. And sometimes that's what makes us restless because now all of a sudden we're starting to get some energy, although most of us have been just wanting to lay around and sleep and sleep in and and there's all that this coming saturday we've got lots of stuff happening we have a gemini new moon and it carries a friendly tone it is inspiring us to enjoy the company of others and to be particularly social so it's a good day to come out to temple or do something else there's also a beautiful romantic energy under this new moon and it might help us to start to feel more optimistic about matters of the heart. Hmm. Or it's going to flavor it up a little bit. I'll talk more about Venus in just a second. If you've recently gone through a breakup, this new moon is the perfect place to kind of take a look at it and plant the seeds for something different in the future, especially if you've been caught in a pattern like some of my clients Tell me, Loretta, I keep ending up with the same person over and over. How can I stop that? I think my guest today is going to have some things to say about that. But this is time for a new beginning. It's a focus on self-love. It's a time to set intentions for your next relationship. And, you know, sometimes when we're in relationship, we lose a sense of who we are or a sense of our our independence or Sometimes we're just so busy trying to figure out how to get along with that other person or we're doing it all for them. You know who I'm talking about. Got to do it for them, people pleasing, that we don't live our own dreams. So this new moon is calling for the creation of a greater balance between you and others. You know, the Gemini moon is of two minds. Can those two minds ever come together? Hmm. So it's a time to remind you that you can find your own way, your own unique way in this world, irregardless of what's going on around you or even in relationship. On Saturday, June 17th, we also have another big event, Saturn retrograde in Pisces. Saturn, hmm, there's that karma thing, retrograde in Pisces. And Saturn moved into Pisces in March of this year. So it's the first time in almost 28 years we're experiencing a Saturn retrograde in Pisces. For those of you that have been around, you can go, well, what was going on about 28 or 30 years ago, right? Saturn is our master teacher and the Lord of Karma. And during this retrograde period, we're invited to review lessons and teachings of our past just to make sure we've understood them. We may very well notice themes that were prevalent in March of this year coming back around for further inspection. And to help us step up and take responsibility for it, Saturn never brings a challenge we can't handle. So remember that. It, it always comes up when it's time for you to address it and you'll discover that you, you really can, you really can do it. And then on Sunday, excuse me, June 18th, the sun is going to square Neptune, the planet of illusions, dreams, creativity, and unconditional love. It is considered the higher octave of Venus. And on this day, we can channel Neptune's energy with greater ease. You might find yourself feeling extra creative, more in touch with your heart center, and your dreams may be more vivid and prophetic. However, Neptune is a little bit illusionary. It's a little bit swirly or mystical and this can bring uh, a little bit of mental fogginess a sense of confusion always bring your scattered pieces back in come into the center of yourself and trust your instincts uh, be sure you're not making decisions through rose-colored glasses and find a creative way to get through things and then june 19 through 20 which is in just a couple of days venus enters shadow phase the upcoming retrograde of Venus is one of the biggest cosmic events of the year. 
at this time, Venus slips into shadow phase, which means she begins unwinding for her retrograde journey, which will happen later in July. Ancient astrologers believe that when a planet stationed retrograde, it was entering the underworld, moving deeper into the subconscious and the hidden realms of life. Oh my goodness, what could Venus be doing there? It is at this point Venus will begin preparing for this journey. So just pay attention to what's coming up, what's coming out. We may not be able to make sense of what's to come just yet, but themes that are going to come up are, of course, in regard to love, relationships, soulmates, mm -hmm, money, anything around money, beauty. And this is going to affect not only us personally, but also the world around us. So there are a lot of energies up there. This, this Venus um, uh, uh, shadow phase, uh, things going on in Venus. Um, I said this a little while ago, and of course, there's so many other things going on. But this is the summer to really open your hearts and take a look at your relationships. How, how are they? How are you doing? How are they doing? Is it time to shift some things up? Have you been staying somewhere too long? And what about self-love? What about that? So on that note, like I was telling my guest before the show that he's on this show at such an opportune time, at least energetically, astrologically, and even in the climate of our world. And my guest this week is TJ Woodward. He's a revolutionary recovery expert, best-selling author, inspirational speaker, educator, addiction treatment specialist, who has helped countless people through his simple yet powerful teachings. He is the creator of the Conscious Recovery Method, a groundbreaking effective approach to viewing and treating addiction and TJ is also the author of three best-selling books and their respective workbooks, Conscious Recovery, Conscious Being, and Conscious Creation. Welcome to the show, TJ. It's great to have you. Thank you so much, Loretta. I'm delighted to be here. And of course, I'm excited about our conversation today. Yeah. So you, you flew in underneath the Venus air breath of fresh air coming through perfect i love i love it when it's perfectly synchronistic and it's timing and here we are i do too um could you tell people a little bit about you and how you got to this point i i've read your book conscious recovery and uh we are going to talk about relationships but i i also want to pull that into addictions at some point here so yeah. tell us a little bit about your journey how did you get here Thank you. And some of us might even be addicted to relationships, which we can talk about, right? Yes. Um, I got here, you know, I could tell you a really long version, but I'm going to tell a somewhat short version. And okay. I start at the very beginning because it's foundational for my work. And I'm guessing based on just being with you for this short time, Loretta, that this is foundational for you too. And that that is we come into the world as these whole and perfect spiritual beings. Now, some people believe we come in and bring things from past lives, come in to learn a lesson. There's a lot of different beliefs around why we're here on planet Earth. But in my experience, um, I came in filled with happiness and joy, just feeling like the luckiest little kid on planet Earth and lying in the backyard on a hot summer day in Indiana, um, mesmerized by life. And I also, you know, came into a world where I heard the way uh, the tall people were talking about people of different races, people, you know, how that how men were talking about women, um, how there was so much judgment. And I saw war on the TV and all of these experiences. I, I look at it now and I think I almost short circuited like it was just too much for my soul to be or my spirit to be so open. And so I closed down. And the reason I like to start with that is that closing down was a pivotal moment because it was there that I separated from my true nature and started to believe a whole lot of lies. So my work has become helping people get back to the original perfection that we came in as and also look at all the different ways we were programmed consciously or unconsciously by the world to believe that we're broken in some way or we're limited in some way. So I start with that because I think that's foundational for the, the point of view, whether we're talking about relationships, addiction, or just creating the life of our dreams. It starts with that. 
Wow. Um, you hit the nail right on the head, TJ. I could have said exactly what you said. And I, I imagine that's true. <laughs> I, I remember, I really do. As a kid, I just felt like I was just some sort of like, where am I? And I was just this little light, you know, running around and shut down. Yeah. Right. Cause I, I learned very quickly. Oh, you know, you know, we don't talk about our imaginary friends and please do not talk about the dead woman in the back bedroom. She's not actually there, Loretta. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, these limit, oh, this idea, man, you said something so wonderful, um, to return to our original perfection and the, uh, that the broken, that we somehow are taught to believe we're broken or there's something wrong with us that needs to be fixed. Right. Yeah. And that's the key because so yeah. many of us believe that at such a deep level that we come into either like, let's say recovery or therapy or spiritual practice, whatever it is where we're on this journey to try to be happy, quite frankly. And I love that it's National Power Smile Day, right? <laughs> a lot of us just want to be happy or most of us just want to be happy. But when we're when we believe we're broken, then we start looking to the world to make us happy. That's where we get into trouble because the world can't really make us happy. There's this incredible paradox with this. Uh, the world is as it is, but when when I feel broken and when I feel damaged and I'm disconnected from my true nature or my original perfection, then it's like I have my umbilical cord in my hand and I'm trying to get fed from the world and it just doesn't really fulfill. And so we think it's about getting to some kind of destination, but really it's about returning to who and what we already are. It's already within us. There's actually not a search and that can be a lot for the mind to comprehend. Maybe too much for the mind to comprehend. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, I have a lot of people that come to me and I hear quite often people say, uh, especially they're talking about either their life or relationship and they'll go, I just want to connect, yeah. Loretta. I just want to connect and or I'm trying to connect with that person or I'm trying to connect with that thing. And why can't I connect? They just keep sliding away or they keep leaving. Yeah. And this idea of connectedness. Yeah, and 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 that to me is really the deeper conversation here. And you already kind of prompted us to have this deeper conversation in the intro. And that is, why do I keep finding myself in these same situations over and over again? And like you or like your clients that were saying to you, I think what we all do want is love and connection. That's what I desperately wanted. But what yes. was interesting is... When I, when that wall was, I was going to say when I put that wall around my heart, it almost felt like something or someone else did it. So um, when that wall was built around my heart, it did protect me, but it was also protecting me from the love and connection I desired. And when I believe I'm broken I, and maybe unconsciously, I'm trying to connect with someone uh, desperately trying to connect. But if I have a core false belief, so, so here's a perfect example. I decided at a very young age, I was unlovable. And so I walked around the world with this frequency of I'm not lovable. It was a vibration, much more than just a thought or a narrative. And I could walk into a room and I would unconsciously choose the person to confirm the core false belief. On the conscious level, I was desperately wanting to connect, but I kept choosing these people who couldn't possibly <laughs> love me. And they were beautiful humans, by the way, but I wanted it to be their fault. There's a lot to unpack there, but the bottom line is when we believe we're broken, we will unconsciously choose to see that in the world, but only 100% of the time. So the healing must happen from within. You know, um, it, it, there is this thing too, where I people say to me, um, we connected through our trauma, Yeah. right? You know, because we had this, like I saw in you, you know, you just needed to be loved and you'd had this bad childhood and, and these people did these terrible things to you. And so, you know, I'm looking at you going, I can relate to that. I have the same issue yeah. and we can get together and be just fine. So. <laughs> what's, yeah. What's interesting about that to me uh -huh. is. I think it's easy to go into the rightness or wrongness of that. And I spent many years thinking, saying things like, my narrative sounded like this. Well, yeah, we were these two dysfunctional uh, 
puzzle pieces that found each other. And then we locked in with each other and we found this dis dysfunctional pattern. I have a really different point of view about that now. And that, and this is very interesting and nuanced. I think that can be part of the healing. And I think, of course, we find people that have what we call a trauma bond, right? If, if my trauma is not healed, I'm going to walk around again with that vibration. I'm going to find someone to match that in some way. Um, you know, this is why when someone is in an abusive relationship, um, it's the tendency is to blame who we call the abuser. And of course, we want people to be safe and we don't want people to be in a, a for example, in a, a violent relationship. We need to unplug from that, but that's only the first step. And then we don't want to blame ourselves, but we want to be accountable for what, what the healing is required. So interestingly enough, I think all of those journeys that we go through where we find these people that we could call dysfunctional relationships, I actually think they are functioning for something. I think it is part of the healing process. But we reach a point where we realize that the deeper healing must, it really it has to be from the inside out, not the outside in. Um, there's so much in what you're saying. I'm going to go back and pull out some things because it's rich. And as far as I'm concerned, it's straight to the point. When we are caught up in, like, for instance, um, you know, everybody talks about the narcissist and the empath. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Narcissist empath first right. of all now we've got two labels yeah it's a narcissist and that's an empath and then somebody comes and they go i know what it is loretta it's the narcissist and the empath and now we're locked into something but i want to i want to pick that apart a little bit i want your expertise yeah. in that um what what is that all about D just talk to it because to me that just opens up the conversation well, I think in a very simple way, and I, I'm going to speak for me. I love Byron Katie. When I heard her speak, yeah. she said, this is true for me. It might not be for you. So I, I often use that now. This is true for me. It might not be for you. I think it's convenient to label in some ways because then I don't have to be 100% accountable. And nothing's more painful than 99% accountability right so when i label someone as the narcissist then they get to be the bad person and i get to be the good person because there's an inherent value for most people that empath is good and narcissist is bad um we all have all of it within us um and if we want to even go you know deeper spiritually we're all one anyway so once we label someone, we're in, first of all, we're in this dualistic relationship where we're playing these roles. But the truth is, I, I have, I can be narcissistic and I can be em empathetic, right? And the the issue with the the labeling, as I said, is then we end up saying, well, it's that person's fault. And as soon as we're in that, we're in that victim martyr consciousness. And then we're in blame. Blame is a low level of consciousness. It's not a bad thing. It's just what does it get? What does it create when we're in there? Well, it creates less happiness and more pain. So then it becomes so simple. Do I want to be free? And if I want to be free, I want to move beyond the labels and I want to look at what needs to change within me. The reason I'm focusing on this multiple times, it's the mind is a trickster. Someone will hear me say, are you saying their behavior is not bad or wrong? What, I, what I'm saying is, rather than labeling it bad or wrong, we want to look at what we actually can shift, and that is our own journey, our own perspective. We yeah. unplug from wanting the world to change. I spent my entire 20s thinking if the world could just change, I would be happy. What an interesting decade. <laughs> it didn't really work, by the way, because I realized, <laughs> oh, the only... And then here's the paradox. The only person I can change is me. And then I start to change my lens and then the world seemed to magically change. Yeah. Oh, so many great truths in that. Um, so I'm thinking about the the Cartman triangle, the dreaded drama triangle, right? You know, and and this idea that um, yeah, that that's a narcissist over there. And then and then this idea that, okay, so XYZ happens, they do, that person does whatever, and then you just go, oh, well, they're a narcissist. Right, right. right. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> and then and then you tootle along and then pretty soon you're in a relationship with another narcissist. Right. Because right? you haven't really addressed <laughs> you this yeah. right here. Well, yeah. and, the, and the beauty yeah. of that is we want to make sure I think for me, I want to infuse into the conversation and I touched on it because in my journey, I went from blaming the world to blaming myself. 
Yes. And that also kept me stuck. If anything, it was more painful because honestly, blaming the world, we see a, a great, a significant percentage of the world doing that. We see countries blaming each other. We see political parties blaming each other. We see genders uh, blaming each other. We see sexual orient. I mean, you could, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And there's something about that that um, is convenient. You know, when I, I, I did a talk the other day and I started with saying, spiritual principles are inconvenient <laughs> because oh I, need to, I need to be accountable for my life. Right. And like, it's, it's, there's something that's really fun about blaming the world, but I'm getting off on a tangent, but when I shift to blaming myself, that's, I'm still in that same frequency and then it's even more painful. So we want to move beyond blame and move into curiosity. My favorite word is let me be curious about this. Let me be curious about what it is, not why do I keep attracting unavailable people? Because that's sort yes. of a, that's a blame statement. But what is it about me that I keep choosing this? And what is wanting to be healed? If I start to look at it as an opportunity for healing and become curious about it, life is an experiment. Oh, what is possible within me to start to shift so that I start choosing differently? Because that's really what it's about. If we're not choosing consciously, we're choosing unconsciously. And most of us are creating our lives from the unconscious or subconscious. Yeah, I I love that. Um, I, I'm going to say this too. Um, I think spiritual principles are are inconvenient. I think that's your million dollar t-shirt idea, right, by the way. <laughs> it just came to me the other day when I was speaking. I'd never had I'd, that. I'd wear that shirt. Before. Yeah. <laughs> And I also think that we need to have a sense of humor when we're doing this heavy work. But uh, yeah, this idea, this this shame thing, this blame guilt game, right? Uh, and you're absolutely right. People go from it's all their fault to, oh my gosh, it's all my fault. And so many people come to me and they go, Loretta, what am I doing wrong? Exactly. Or what thought process do I need to fine tooth comb my way through? You know, or I said a bad word erase, erase, and we get all caught up in that, right? Thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, it, you know, I was I was part of a community where if if you would say anything other than what someone considered to be positive, they would say, erase, erase, cancel, cancel, say it now. <laughs> right? I know, I know. To yeah. where, you know, I end up with, you know, I have the beautiful privilege of having a, a sacred safe place, which I know you do too, where this is where we're going to throw it out into the room and we're actually going to talk about the ugly part. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, I, I woke up one day and I, I, you know, we've been in the paradigm where we say we're spiritual beings having a human experience for a long time now, hundreds of years. Right. Um, and I woke up one day and thought, what if we're spiritual beings having a spiritual experience? That we're actually that the mind wants some of it to be spiritual and and you know you could use different words there positive negative um good bad and the mind is just programmed very deeply and maybe its function is to live in duality um what's safe what isn't but when we're in the good bad right wrong paradigm then we're not aware possibly that it's all rich right we think of shift happens right we know the original word that yeah. but i i will i also thought fertilizer happens just with <laughs> one shift in perspective i realized that what i once called something bad can become fertilizer for the transformation of my soul and that it really is about integrating that and i know um you know you and i i can already get a sense from you that we're not about abandoning the deeper what we call shadow work because that's all spiritual there's nothing wrong here let's integrate that and use it as transformation yeah it's exactly right and uh i am a firm believer we need to get it out there's so much in this because it can be it can be pretty easy and it can be complicated if if the throat has been shut down if you have not had a voice if you have been uh, told no 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 you can't be the way that you are right or you've got to be this way or you know whatever it is spending so much time and energy and consciousness trying to be who you think other people think you should be right. um or how how can i be to fit into the external world in with in my distorted uh perception of it uh, mm -hmm. i'm exhausted just trying to say that right <laughs> but, but but it's the work 
right? Yeah. It sure is. That's well, absolutely the work. It yeah. is the work. And 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 what I, I think to to even to to lean into it a little bit, um, we have experiences usually in our very early life because our brains aren't developed yet so we absorb more right and like like we said at the beginning like we're so open right we're so wide open that we absorb the energy from the people around us but the interesting piece and this is where the point of power is to me um we might have been victims to situations when we were kids right someone who sexually abused someone there's all these ways that we can say yeah that we didn't have control over that and we absorbed that but the the point of power is to look less at what happened we're not negating what happened or pretending it didn't but what did i decide about myself based on what happened two people having the exact same situation come to an instantaneous different conclusion and then the trajectory of our life is based on the conclusion, not the event. Um, so in a way, and this is my provocative statement, in a way we can change the past um, because we have a story about what happened, but we don't really know exactly what happened. But the key is, what did I decide? What did I decide? Um, for me, I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I'm not smart. Those were the conclusions I came to. And I have a story about what created them. But when I was doing some of my early work, I talked to my sisters and I thought, well, they'll have different versions of the story. But what I found is they had totally different stories, not even different versions. I had a story. Dad was never home. He was busy with people who weren't my mom. He was a workaholic. I had all these judgments, right? Um, the conclusion I came to is I'm not lovable. My sister said, what are you talking about? My, our dad was always home. We went on these great vacations. He was at dinner every night. And I'm thinking, what really happened? What really happened? And I, I, I came to it. Didn't, it doesn't matter as much what happened. And again, I want to be really careful. We're not trying to pretend something didn't happen. We would never want to say to someone, maybe it didn't really happen. But we want to look at the point of power being, what did you decide? Yeah. So we're going to take a little station break. I love this conversation, TJ, so much. It's, in my opinion, it's it's the heart of the issue and something that needs to be talked about. So uh, my guest today is TJ Woodward, and uh, we're talking about toxic relationships. We'll probably talk a little bit about addictions. And of course, we're going to say, okay, now, now what? Now what? What do we do now? Right? right. So we're going to take a little station break. This is Loretta Brown. We'll be right back. What's one of your favorite memories? Hmm, let's see. Well, there was this one time I went snorkeling in the Caribbean when I was a kid. It really just blew my mind. I mean, when you're sitting on the beach, it's so peaceful and you sort of forget there's a whole other world under there just full of all kinds of life. We saw the most beautiful corals. I remember thinking they were waving at us as they moved with the ocean. And then there were all these amazing fish. They kind of reminded me of tropical birds. They were so bright and colorful, just darting all over the place like birds in the sky. I'll never forget it. It completely changed the way I look at the ocean. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. 
Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown show. And my guest today is TJ Woodward. And I want to remind people that these shows are available to download and listen to free anytime you want to at the KKNW 1150 AM archives for the original Loretta Brown show. We're also on YouTube, iTunes, Podcast One, Spotify, Megaphone, Twitter. I'm sure there's others. Anyway, <laughs> you get the idea. And uh, there's all kinds of shows, um, hundreds, thousands, lots, and I hope they will help you and bless you on your way. So we are talking about toxic relationships. What a great conversation. We're also talking about our own self and our, our, our distortions or, or the way that the patterns that we accept just before the break, TJ was talking about the fact that it's what we decide about ourselves from an event that puts those, I don't know what you want to say, those dark colored glasses on ourselves that when we look at the world, you know, we have a tendency to keep drawing to ourselves the same toxic relationships. So you were talking about, you know, curiosity as being one of the things that can help us what do we what do we do about this like how do we get into this type of work where do we go if we're trying to uh, like for instance um someone said to me the other day what am i doing that i keep having these people you know these relationships with people who are projects and need healing or i i have such a need not to be abandoned and then of course they're going to abandon me so jump right in there yeah, yeah i i, I want to start with sort of a recap of what we want to say that might be a limited way to work with it. I'm really careful okay. the way I frame, um, you know, we we tend to use words like wrong or dysfunctional or unhealthy. Like who wants to say I'm unhealthy, but we want to look at the effectiveness, right? So we, we talked about like get rid of the toxic person or get rid of the narcissist. And we know that's very limited because then we find ourselves choosing the same person. Um, or then we say, well, we keep attracting these people, right? So what what needs to be healed within me? So what we want to look at, to answer your question, is the point of origin. And some of us can have that moment where we're like, oh, I remember that day in kindergarten. And this is true for me. I remember the day in kindergarten I decided I was stupid. Not everyone has that moment that's in conscious memory. But the important, the key here is we decided these things before our brains were even developed. So we can't really talk ourselves out of it through the intellect alone. And this is really important because we hear people saying, change your narrative, change your story. We'll just have a different belief, use affirmations. And of course, that's all useful. It was such an important part of my journey because I didn't even know I was walking around brutalizing myself. So being aware that I had the narrative and then trying to change it was important. The deeper work is having that point of tenderness, compassion for the little me that decided these huge things. I remember looking at my nephew when he turned seven and I thought, oh my gosh, that's the age I decided the world was unsafe and I was unlovable. The way I, what I call it is core false beliefs. I call it core false beliefs because I want to acknowledge their lies we pick up about ourselves. They get buried, or the word I like to use is concretized into our unconscious when we're such at such a tender age. Mm -hmm. And then we develop all kinds of strategies to manage it. And you talked about this earlier, right? Maybe someone who feels unworthy becomes highly successful. Let me get straight A's because then mommy and daddy will love me, that kind of thinking. And that becomes an, becomes an unconscious strategy or what I call a brilliant strategy in the world. So we want to get back to the point of origin. And if we can't remember the moment, just the little me that decided these huge things, like I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough. We can talk more about how we actually heal it, but it's not about changing the narrative only or looking in the mirror and saying, I am worthy of a loving relationship. That's only a small part of the journey. Yeah, delve into that a little bit because the inner child, the little self, um, I, of course, in my own personal journey and people I work with, yeah, it is that moment. And oh my goodness, I, I look at kids, I love kids and I look at kids and they have their big eyes. Mm -hmm. And and I, I'm honest, I love little girls, but little boys, I don't know what the deal is. I'm like, what? I take them all home with me, all of them, and keep mm -hmm. them right there. <laughs> right? 
but yeah, that tender age. So how do we work with that inner child? How do we, how do we go back? Because you're absolutely right. No amount of talking or thinking is going to get us out of there. Yeah. This is why people can get quote unquote stuck in therapy and therapy is a wonderful thing. If I'm only doing narrative therapy, which just is like talk therapy. And so I went to therapy for many years and I knew the patterns. I knew, you know, I had a mother who I would label as narcissistic, right? Or a mother who was unavailable or, you know, loved those little diet pills. And back in the day, those were very strong uppers, right? This was like meth. Um, I had a dad who, you know, I had all the stories. I had the patterns, but I'm like, but nothing's changing. My awareness of it isn't changing it. So when we do the deeper inner child work, I like to start where we started the show. And that is underneath all of these wounds, there's still the place of perfection there is still that little child with the eyes wide open you know the power smile i love we're going back to that but that 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 effervescence is innate right so as if we start there then we can start to look at when did we decide that we're other than that and when did we decide that we're less than love less than infinite being and we look at those decisions and we have a place of tenderness and for me the deeper work is is emotional it's it's most of us didn't get allowed to feel right so when i was a little kid you know back in the day you know if you're going to cry i'll give you something to cry about go to your room till you can start crying i have a lot of compassion for my mother you know the 1950s books i was born in the middle middle of the 60s so she's a product of the 1950s those books said let your babies sit in their bed and cry until they fall asleep don't go hold them right i mean that's literally what we were taught so all these attachment wounds happened at a very young age i remember being in my crib i remember holding the bars and just screaming for my mother screaming and shaking that that was this visceral moment i don't even know if i could have a core false belief from that but i remember being terrified so letting our younger selves feel, when I do inner child work, the three phrases I use are, it's okay to feel that way, it's safe for you to feel that, and I'm here for you. That's the inner child work, because even with inner child work, sometimes I hear people trying to talk their child out of the core decision or talk them out of the feeling, you're going to be okay, don't worry, I'm here. We want to allow ourselves to feel from that point of origin so that we can actually come to a different conclusion. Um, that is so true. Um, you know, there's that old healing adage, you have to feel it to heal it. But um, there's a truth to that. I look at it as, as being able to journey through that, right? right? Like if when I'm feeling something, the first thing I do is lock myself up and shut it down or shove it over into the shadow or like, Oh no, Loretta, good girls don't do that. We just right. have our power smile, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Keep going, right? Yes, yes. Um, be pretty, be sweet. I mean, yeah, all yep. the things. Yeah. Get your pink bow in your hair, right? <laughs> Thanks for laughing. I can tell we're on the same sheet of music. But oh, yeah. um, this idea that it is, it, man, I love what you said. It's okay to feel it. It's safe to feel it. And I'm here it's safe you. to feel it. And I'm here for you because I, lot of, I think a lot of people are afraid to feel their feelings. Absolutely. And it's because it was scary when we were young. So compassion, 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 right? I mean, um, most of us didn't. I mean, when, listen, when I had, when, okay, let me, let me. Oh. <laughs> if you look at a really young child or what I call a pre-programmed human, two years old, three years old, they feel very deeply. They let us know exactly what they're feeling. And if we let them have what we label as a temper tantrum, they move through it and come back to a, this homeostasis, which is joy. Um, we end up telling them not to cry. Here's a piece of candy. Uh, we punish them. In some severe cases, we hit them, right? So there are these major scary events for most of us around feeling. So of course we bury our feelings. Of course we put them in the shadow. Of course we drink when we feel. Of course we go shopping when we feel. So that place of compassion is like, of course, this is how I've worked with it. But now I know I am safe. There's no one here that's going to hit me. And if there is, we want to first get out of that relationship, right? Um, I actually do have the capacity to feel. When I do um, work with helping people heal trauma, specifically around addiction, we think it's about the trauma, but it really isn't. It's about what's present in the moment. And if we can allow someone 
to actually sit with the emotion, even if it's two minutes, oh, no one hit me. I, you know, I worked with a, um, yeah. I was facilitating a group in yeah. treatment many years ago and we had a, a, a gay male client and most of the men in the room, well, all the other men in the room were not gay and um, he was shaking and he said, I believe if I talk about my relationship right now, one of you will hit me. I know that's not true. You're all these beautiful, loving men. But he was literally shaking. So the healing wasn't to say to him, no one's going to hit you. The, The healing was, see if you can be present with that for a minute. And these men were able to hold him, not physically, but hold him energetically so that he could feel that for a few minutes and realize how much trauma was locked in his body around the fear. It wasn't about what was happening in real time, but the healing can come from just allowing ourselves to feel. That's going to make me cry. Me too. It was such a beautiful moment. Well, this idea that we're so locked up is... To me, it's it's the key. That is the healing. Mm-hmm. And also, you were talking earlier about, the, you know, this wall around the heart. And how many times have people been hurt or betrayed or abandoned? And the very first thing they do is they go, <clears throat> I'm going to gear up and make sure that never happens again. Right. I'm just going to put this great big shield. And then I'm going to wonder why nobody comes in. <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, this might sound a little bit of a a detour here, but when we think about uh, the idea of narcissists and empaths, people who identify as empathic, and I think you and I would say we are, um, we might say, I'm an empath, so I need to protect myself from the energy around me. And I think that is another form of a wall. And I understand why, because we're taking on, people can take on, but there's a deeper awareness when I realize that I'm an infinite being. And when I'm not in my personality self, but in my essential self, I don't have to put up a barrier. There's nothing inherently wrong with feeling what other people are feeling. The key here is I don't take it on as my responsibility, but being you know, an empath is a great gift, of course. But, you know, there's a tendency maybe early in our development where we think, oh, my gosh, I need to protect myself. And that's really the work I do with clinicians working in the addiction treatment field, because, you know, there's so much chaos and so much darkness that sometimes people take it on and they think I need to protect myself. But that protection is the is a barrier to actually connecting. I could talk so much about that. I'm an excessively strong empath and um, have gone through everything, you know, and I realized a long, long time ago that a barrier is not useful. And also I don't, a a lot of people are in, well, they're in some kind of a hypervigilance where they melt into the other person and they want the person to melt into them. That's also not healthy, Right. but recognizing, and I'm going to bring it back to your, your internal work comment you made earlier, like the work you have to live life from the inside out. When you know thyself, when you love yourself, when you do that internal healing work, you just know who you are and who, and you can be in the world and recognize, number one, we're all co-creators here, you know, so that victim thing, we drop that a little bit. We work on the shame, blame, guilt, right? And we begin to perceive life in a very different way. So yes, my empath ability, I know yours does too works very well for the work that I came to do in this world, right? Yeah, Yeah. so beautifully said because we honor all the different stages, right? When I was, um, maybe we could say an an early, in my early in my development as an empath, I was wanting everyone to like melt into me and I wanted to, I wanted to fix all their pain, right? I was in that and like I had the ability to do that and it, kind of became overwhelming to my system. So I understand why people would want to put up the wall. But what we're saying here is that at some point of our development, we want to bring the wall down. That's why I, um, I, I sometimes will be provocative and, and say, we don't need boundaries just to hook, you know, hook someone. And then I go on to say what I mean by that. Like, um, you know, a boundary is a wall and, um, you know, like in the work that we do as either counselors or therapists, Of course, we have professional boundaries. Of course, we're not going to try to fix the person. But here's the key to this. When I understand that no one's broken, I'm not here to fix anyone. 
I'm here to be a presence. And true connection, because that's what we all desire, is really about bringing that barrier down, not in a way of like, I'm here to fix you or what we would call codependent, not a huge fan of the word, but that's the yeah. word we have. Yeah. Um, we're really about a deep connection and the healing. I'm not here to heal anyone. I'm here to be a presence for someone to do their own healing and to begin to understand, not intellectually, but energetically, that they can actually heal. And healing's not even the right word. It's really a return to wholeness. It's a return yeah. to who they really are. Beautifully said, a return to wholeness. That That is it. Yeah. Yeah. That is it. Many, many ways to talk about that. Like, you know, I sometimes say when you allow yourself to be who you're meant to be, which is to me, like, what does that mean? <laughs> right? right? Right. But there is this exploratory journey. So you have uh, the conscious recovery method. We're talking about toxic relationships today, but you go over into addictions of all kinds. Of course, toxic relationships can be an addiction, I think. Right. You know? right. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, maybe the greatest addiction we have is these believing the lies about ourselves. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, yeah, I'm just sitting for a second. So talk for just a minute. We've got, I don't know, a couple of minutes left is all we've got. Um, talk about your conscious uh, recovery method and you know, and kind of spread that out from from toxic. I, I realize I'm giving you a minute to do this to um, addictions. Yeah, I mean, briefly uh, said, I came into working in the field in 2008, the field being addiction treatment. And I saw this sort of pervasive um, framework of looking at our clients as broken and only treating instead of actually healing. So I became curious about what I could create to help people actually return to their true nature and heal the trauma, disconnection, and shame that I identify as the root causes of addiction. We actually can help our clients heal. Um, they're not broken. So the foundational principle of conscious recovery is underneath all addictive behavior is an essential self that's whole and perfect. So that's a very brief overview of what conscious recovery is. It's a book, it's a workbook, it's curriculum, and I do clinical trainings and treatment programs throughout the world. I love that. Um, where can people find you? And um, yeah, where can people I, find you? I think the best, the best place is Instagram, TJ Woodward underscore. And um, then in the profile on Instagram, you can see everything else, the books, the any of the courses I have, um, all of the the speaking events I do. So underneath all this Venus influence for from now until through October, for all those people out there searching for love and connection, what would you like to say to them? Uh, what I want to say to someone, anyone watching right now, is if you, if no one's told you today, you are an infinite being. You came into the world as a whole and perfect being that is still who and what you are. This is not about connecting with someone from the outside in, but from the inside out. Be that love. We're not here to attract anything. We're here to radiate. Through that radiating of love, we will naturally find that in the world. Oh, my goodness. What a joy and delight to have you on my show today, TJ Woodward. And um, everybody, you should just check him out, get his books. And TJ, I think we need to give our power smile to the world. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> and I hope Benny will join us. Thank you, everybody. Uh, please enjoy the uh, beautiful energies this week. And of course, next week will be summer solstice. Okay. Blessings, love, and goodness.